Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All these conversations start to come back to Mac, right? Because again, you're not at a point now where he's, he's not extension eligible. So that's not on the table. But you do need to start answering the question of, is this our future? Because you want to tailor the system around your quarterback. Belichick has said they did that for 20 years with Brady. It's a wise decision. When you look back last year, I don't think much of that besides maybe the RPO package, uh, maybe some of their shotgun splits were tailored towards Mac. Because if it was, you would bring coordinators and offensive coaches who knew what they were doing. But that being said, again, my sense is the relationship between Mac and the coaches and the trust there has eroded. I think it might be something that's best solved with time. And obviously the hires that they kind of build back a more sensible experienced offensive staff. But those things haven't happened yet. That time has not passed yet. What is your sense of the Patriots feeling towards Mac and Max towards Patriots? I think really after this season and what Belichick did uh, to him in that bears game, you know, there was, uh, there were some things that Belichick has done to the quarterback that I have never seen before and still don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I, you know, I kind of relate one of the things when Mac said after a game that he wants to be coached harder um, he's a guy who can handle hard coaching. I mean, he thrived for Nick Saban, Corky Rogers in high school. Like these are guys who are very difficult on their quarterbacks. Um, but you see that and I can't help but wonder if Belichick saw that as a slight. And since then, all these questions that you guys gave to Belichick about like committing to Mac or whether it was a starter and long-term, whatever, and he just sort of was noncommittal. Like, I wonder if that was out of spite, Be going back to the coach Tartar comments. I, and I'm just speculating on that. I think ultimately, if Mac is your guy, everybody just needs to sit in a room and just talk it out and say, okay, let's figure out how we can make this thing better next season. You know, what is the roadmap? What do you need? What do you need from us? Stuff like that. Just have a, an honest conversation talking football, talking strategy, figuring out what your strengths are. And then from the Patriots side, figuring out what they want to do, if that fits with him or, you know, if, if Max not your guy, then okay, fine. Commit to a different path. You know, I think there are teams that are out there that would be willing to trade for him, but at, at the start of this whole process, or once they figure out who their OC is going to be, just bring everybody into a room and have a talk. Well, Kumbaya. Little one. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, you know, at some point, I, I don't remember the old Chris Rock quote, but I think it's you're only as faithful as your options. And Belichick has to look across, you know, the quarterback landscape and wonder, you know, could he get replacement level performance for Mac? The, the evaluation of Mac is obviously clouded by a lot of things, scheme, health of the offensive line, coaching can got day to day. But I think it was fairly steady in the most important areas. And that was accuracy. Um, his aggressiveness downfield from year one to year two and his turnover worthy plays. So it was really rocky at the start. The offense changed. It went back mostly to what he'd been doing in year one come December and January. That I think was the best fit for him. 
but we know there are going to be changes. It's just a matter of how much does he dictate those. And I think you're right in that I went back through all of Belichick's transcripts and tried to look at his comments about Mac, not for anything in particular, but just to check back in of what have I been listening to if I hone in on this one subject after sitting on these dozens and dozens and dozens of Belichick press conferences and his praise for Mac, who at the beginning of the season, dramatic improvement. Um, he was a captain, he was you know, a leader, all this different stuff, all the offseason work was you know, love his passion, love his attitude. After the Arizona game, when all these outbursts come out Monday Night Football and we're asking him about it, everything else was, yeah, Mac does a good job or crediting to the whole offense. The questions specifically about Mac get blown up to the receivers or the offensive line. They do that a lot with specific questions. It goes credit to the whole team, except individual brain spread credit around. But I, it was it was notable because it was another trend and part of the reason that I pressed him late in the season about being a dirty player where I think with most franchises, if you're the head coach, you're like, no, I want to support my quarterback, even if we're at odds. Like, that's an easy thing just to say, of course not. He's not a dirty player. Yeah, right. Have your guys back. I mean, Belichick for decades, one thing, one of many things that his players have credited him for is never throwing his players under the bus. Hmm. And Belichick didn't directly do that. Um, and, and Mac deserves a lot of the, like that play against Cincinnati. Like I, I defended Mac for the Panthers thing. I thought that might've been overblown. I think there were a couple other plays you know, there was like the high leg kick against the bears that you wondered, okay, that's getting closer to a gray area. The dive uh, in the Cincinnati game was, I I watched that and I was like, are they going to show a replay? Did I see what I thought I just saw? And it wasn't until like a day later when I saw the replay on Twitter, I was like, Ooh, that's not good. But if you're Belichick, you know, you got to, you got to come to the defense of your guy and because it's become a storyline. And I think Karen wrote it that week. It was like, he, he invited a distraction into his locker room when there didn't need to be one. All you do, whether you're right or you believe it or not, if you say that's my guy, he's not a dirty player. And then you take him back into a meeting room and say, if you do that again, like I'm going to call you out for it. Um, Like what, like just, mitigate the distraction um i don't know if i'm jumping way too far off topic here on this one but you brought up a point like if you move on from mac like what do you improve at the position and you look and you can say like i don't i don't i'm not trying to turn this into like a six hour tom brady debate but you look at what's out there it's tom brady it's jimmy garoppolo it's Derek carr and then you know, you get a little more like I don't is Derek Carr necessarily an improvement over, over Mac Jones? I, I don't know. It depends on what your offensive system is going to look like. Uh, the Raiders are moving on from him for a reason. And, you know, the Raiders pretty well. Yeah. Um, Garoppolo, you know, if Brady doesn't go to the Raiders, I would expect the Raiders to pay for Garoppolo. Are you going to get into a bidding war for Garoppolo? And all of a sudden you go from a quarterback on a rookie contract to a quarterback making thirty five million dollars a year. You know, that's a massive philosophical debate. Do you try to get more creative and say, hey, you know what? Maybe they're going to move on from Trey Lance. Do you send Mac Jones to, I don't know, let's say the Raiders strike up. Let's say Garoppolo goes to the Jets and Brady retires. Do you call up the Raiders and say, what would you take for Mac? And then use whatever assets you have to either trade up in the draft, if you like one of those top three guys. Do you call San Francisco, see what it would take to get Trey Lance? Other than that, like there's not an upgrade out there that seems like an overly practical solution. 
And here's the starting point. I really should have started here because we, you know, put the dirty player stuff to bed. You know, the, the bear stuff is way in the past. I think there's a buildup. They're all connected. It makes sense that at the end of the season, they both look exasperated with each other. But his answer to the question of, is Mac your starting quarterback next season? And his end of the season press conference in January was, I think Mac shown he can play quarterback in this league. Well, after two years, you would certainly hope so, because that's all the kid yeah. has done and started virtually every single game for you. And I think that quote where even if you don't want to say, yeah, he'll be the starter and you want to keep your options open, as you just explored and laid out that there aren't very many of them, but the Patriots are going to keep that flexibility. Like you at least can pump them up a little bit because the reason you would do so is to make him more attractive to trade partners or put on this right. sort of show that we are really committed. So if you really want Mac Jones, which is to say his stock is particularly high, you're driving the price up, even if it's just a front, even if it's just a show. And they couldn't even do that. So if other teams are going to call and say, yeah, maybe he's the bridge guy, or we just have a guy in a rookie contract for two years, which again, the Patriots did not and do not pay for quarterbacks uh, as far as like kind of top five market value. They didn't with Brady, except for maybe one contract around 2010, 2011, you would know better than me. But that's that's a part of it here. And the other part is just the, the fact that that was the answer. I think he can play quarterback. Anyone who has Mac, watched Mac Jones for a couple of games can see that. To what level is up for debate? Certainly in the neighborhood of average. Is that good enough for the Patriots? We'll see. It's just it's in an interesting crossroads where I'm not predicting anything here. I think it's just something to keep an eye on because of Belichick's actions, his words, uh, and, and Mac's too you know, in a season that was really difficult. And I think ultimately he came around towards the end of just not keeping quiet, but certainly becoming more composed. And maybe that's just because of him thinking that would help the team out or him understanding that also, if he wants to be more attracted to potential teams out there, it's better to kind of keep your act together, whatever decision you land on in the off season, once everyone takes some time and space, and either comes together for that Kumbaya or decides one way or another that, Maybe they part ways. I, I'm I'm not there. I'm not remotely close to it yet, but I think it got to a point where like th this was bad. Yeah. Uh, I want to. So I've seen it's, it's easier to be negative on Twitter. That That's it's just a <laughs> hotbed of negativity. I think um, Jeff I, Howe knows how Twitter works. That's my end of season press conference. <laughs> about that comment. Yeah. It's, it's uh, but I've seen a lot on Twitter of people who are just like Max sucks, like start zappy. It's not that simple. And I want to get back to my biggest takeaway in the entire league this season. And there are four very specific examples. Coaching matters. So I'm not going to sit here. You know, a year ago, we were sitting here having a conversation like this, maybe not on Zoom, but we thought Mac Jones was a franchise quarterback. Right now, it's hard to know. I still think he probably could be. But we don't know because he didn't have the coaching element to back him this year. The, the offense as a whole was a mess. You know, there were the spacing issues, um, sloppiness. There was just we could go on and on. I'm sure you've covered this ad nauseum. But like this is not my my opinion. This is me asking people around the league who have studied the Patriots and like, all right, am I seeing what? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Am I seeing what you're seeing? Whatever. Like, and how much of it is on Mac? And basically, everybody I spoke to along the way over the course of months absolved Mac and was like, he couldn't have made this a whole lot better than it was. So, is Mac a franchise quarterback? Does he suck? We don't know. Um, 
and I'll relate that to Trevor Lawrence as a rookie was terrible because the coaching was terrible. Now we're seeing what Trevor Lawrence looks like with high quality, high caliber coaching down in Jacksonville. He's having an explosive second half of the season. And again, fast track to being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You look at Tom Brady, everybody wants to sit here after Monday night and say Tom Brady's washed. And I pointed out the fact, hey, you know what? I don't think he's going to go out like this. I saw a bunch of responses who were like, well, it's only going to look worse a year from now. No, the coaching wasn't, the coaching failed him. The offense was not good on a variety of levels. They had no running game. The offensive line was injured. They weren't able to replace Gronk. We've heard that before. But the, I mean, Julio Jones looked like a shell of a shell of himself. There was a lot of things going wrong in Tampa. And Brady missed some throws. But the offensive system was not nearly as good without Bruce Arians running it. Coaching matters. And then San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan going from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy and somehow improving as they went down the depth chart. Again, the players deserve some credit, but that's because Kyle Shanahan is neck and neck with Sean McVay for running the best offensive system in the league. And coaching matters. I mean, is Brock Purdy having this success right now in, in New England this season? No. Like, no. You need to be married up. You know, we'll get real deep into this thing. Is it Belichick? Is it Brady? It's both. It's always been both. You can sit there and you can say that Brady saved Belichick from some personnel mistakes and that Belichick saved Brady from being a young, inexperienced yeah, I, quarterback. I don't want to do the sports hub you know, conversation when it's July, no, just, July, we fresh it. But I, I get yeah. what you're saying. And I think it's an important point to make that it doesn't have to be a dichotomy. Okay. Like the coaches are not taking any snaps in the field. None of the players are game planning six days during the week or calling those plays except for the quarterbacks in the two minute drill. Uh, to put a bow on the Mac discussion, I think it's just important to note that and review and underscore what Belichick said, how Mac acted, and the whole situation that was brought about. And this could very well be remedied by, you know, a proven offensive coordinator, a trusted quarterbacks coach, rebuild that trust and that confidence. But you can't play quarterback without those elements. And it's just how far did that erode? I cannot say. I just think it's something worth discussing and not in the, oh, I'm just asking questions way, which is, which is always thinly veiled BS. But it's just... Important because all of the conversations, as I've said now multiple times, come back to Mac, the system, the coaches, what this looks like in a year, what it looks like in two. And because that's the window here for them before Mac has the fifth year option, which is going to be much more expensive because they just don't they don't pay for quarterbacks at that kind of level. So what do they do around them in the next two years is is really their window. Do they pivot or not? Who knows? I don't think so. I think he'll be back. I think he'll be the starter. I think that's the right decision. It's just not the only world in which the Patriots play football, that Mac is not their starting quarterback. There are other options out there. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. 
FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 